0: sleeping shirt and the sleeping cap, and as a result, someday someday we will have an opportunity to talk about me, the sleeping shirt and the sleeping cap, and carrying a very small candle.
1: Yeah, if anything, I do think of you as an Ebenezer Scrooge.
0: That's, you know, that most people do.
1: Good, 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 which I did get that on recording. I know you
0: got that. That's the cold open right there. That is extremely the cold open. All right. Sweet, sweet. All right. Actually, I'm going to use that as a cold open, incidentally.
1: Me with a sleeping shirt and a tiny, tiny, a
0: tiny <laughs> cap. Yeah, exactly.
1: What day is it today,
0: sir? <laughs> you there, boy. <laughs> you there, boy. What day is it? Why, it's election day, sir. It is? <laughs> you mean I haven't missed it? <laughs> You'll take this money. Run out and buy me a handle of whiskey. The biggest in the shop. And then what? Bring it back here, you idiot.
1: (laughs) Actually, someone told me uh, a story that he said a couple years ago, he was talking to a friend, was like, "Ah, I think the best version of the Christmas Carol that I saw, like I don't remember when it was made, but has Michael Caine as Ebenezer Scrooge. I just remember it being really fun and like really close to the book. And someone was like, are you talking about a Muppets Christmas Carol?
0: Yes. He's like, oh my God, I am. (laughs) I'm
1: like, I like that you remembered Michael Caine, but like, Omitted the fact that they were <laughs>
0: everyone else was a
1: puppet. Like that part clearly didn't like oh, yeah. make it all the way in there.
0: I can't remember who played Bob Cratchit, but I'm sure he was very very good. <laughs> You're
1: like it was Kermit the Frog. <laughs> Kermit the Frog.
0: Oh my god, yeah, right. so good, so good. All right.
1: Um, you got water.
0: I've got good. water. Great. Yep.
1: Okay. Um. Alrighty. So, and I'm gonna run a stopwatch. Although for us, I think we'll be really short. Yeah, we should be all right. All right, ready? Mm-hmm. All right, here we go. Hello, good afternoon and welcome to Taking Ship, a guided cruise through the dumbest timeline in America where when Serena Williams loses, we all lose. I'm Maggie Moore, your high priestess of the waters, and I'm joined by Frank Spring, the lord of the puddle. We have both banished Ellie Jacobs to, to dry land this week for this voyage.
0: Yes, and uh, we look forward to his return. In the meantime, uh, well, we sort of look forward. Desert. We watch. We watch the seas for his arrival in the same way that one might for a much anticipated ship, or also for pirates. Uh, leave comments. Buy shirts. Uh, takingship.com. dot com. Follow us on Twitter at Taking Ship. That's ship with a P, as in penitential. You can follow Ellie at Ellie Jacobs, uh, 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 Maggie at uh, Maggie M zero one two, and me at at Frank Spring. And we're going to dive right into it as one must into a pile into a puddle. Uh, well, one wouldn't dive into a puddle, but into a pool of extremely murky and dangerous water. There's nothing for it. You have to dive right in. You must not avoid the po- the pool of murky and dangerous water. If You have to dive right in. That's all we can do with America's Dumbest Timeline. The op-ed. Everyone ah! talks about the op-ed. But nothing <laughs> more. Than who wrote it? Who is What is the op-ed? Who wrote the op-ed? What does the op-ed mean for me? Uh, it's been... Uh, it's all anyone is talking about. It's because, honestly... And I say this from the bottom of my deeply curmudgeonly heart. It's awesome as hell. <laughs> so these are good. So the op-ed, so many questions, Maggie, so many questions.
1: I have all of the questions. Um, I also like that we're referring to it like the op-ed as if it has like a little trademark symbol yes. next to it. Yes, that's exactly
0: um, how I imagine it.
1: Yes. Um, so earlier this week, for those of you who don't know what capital T, capital O, the op-ed is, um, the New York Times published an anonymous op-ed uh, by a Trump administration official um, in which the headline was, I am a part of the resistance inside the Trump administration. Um, basically, it was a high-ranking official, um, was telling the story of all of the times that they basically interfered uh, from Trump doing something that could have been much, much worse, and shouldn't we all be grateful? Um, so this basically exploded the internet. It really took over Twitter, and I very much appreciated all of the jokes that were happening. Um, but after I sort of you know flip, spent my time flipping through the jokes, uh, I realized that I had so many why questions um, and obviously I think a lot of them are tied to the author and the author's motivations and not only who they are. Um, and so the secrecy kind of everything dials up the why question. Um, but thinking about it, I I'm really interested, intrigued by the question of why would you write this? Why would you spend time going to the New York times um, to publish an anonymous piece? Like what is, what is, what is this person hoping to gain? Um, and I think that there are two different ways that you can look at it. One is the sort of like hopeful and, you know, possibly naive side. And then the other is the craven side. And I like that one more. Um, mm-hmm. But I feel like the the more innocent, wholesome side is um, potentially that this person wants to absolve themselves of their sins. They know they're doing something and working in an administration um, that they disagree with, that is dangerous. Um, and so they're using this as a, the first step towards, you know, um, admitting that they're doing something wrong. Um, and so they're sort of looking to find a way to put themselves on a path to forgiveness with the public when they do eventually, possibly, reveal who they are. Um, I think the more craven side of this, which I think is a little twisty, but go with me, um, is that we're coming up on the midterms and dropping this op-ed is a relatively strategic move and letting voters know that Republicans actually have it handled. You don't, like, if you, as long as you keep Republicans in office, we promise. The ship is going in the right direction, and um, you don't have to be all that scared. So kind of trying to wipe away some of the Trump taint, ew, from other <laughs> candidates. I'm so sorry I said that. I feel oh terrible. <laughs>
0: I'm sorry. What have we done? But
1: this, this is what this new cycle has made me do. It honestly wasn't my fault. Um, but basically trying to like wipe, clean the air of a Trump stench that's hanging around any candidate's neck. Um, I also don't want to assign too much 3D chess, um, to anyone working in this administration. No, that's Um, wise. it's, it's completely unwise and most of the time wildly untrue. Um, but that was the real like craven motivation that I could come up with because otherwise I'm left with literally wh- why would you do this? I don't think it really helps you all that much since Trump hates the New York Times. So I'm, yes, I'm just left with so many why questions like why this, why now? Why? Why, Frank? Why?
0: Why? And and honestly, like you know, some things humanity was never meant to know. That's a that's a that's a pretty good uh, breakdown of the of the main whys. Yeah. So it's someone who is uh, the one that I, the 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 why that I think is least credible is the idea that this is someone's genuine attempt to make amends or otherwise do a good thing. That just that just doesn't carry that just doesn't yeah. carry any water with me. Like that seems really really unlikely. I a number of people that I like and respect are very bought into uh, your second theory, which is basically kind of the. It's almost like this is a false flag operation. Right. Uh, I I can see the argument for it. I I think there's a simpler one that falls into the craven and self serving model, which is that this is someone who either expects to be found out, either want may want to be found mm-hmm. out as the author of the piece. At some point, or expects that maybe they will someday have to declare themselves to have been the heroic author of this amazing piece, they will so wonderful? Their assistance the whole time right and uh, you know and maybe uh, you know maybe when the the Galactica escapes from and uh, and there are some serious investigations into who exactly was collaborating with the Cylon uh, occupiers, uh, maybe this person won 't get spaced uh, so I think that that 's my preference uh, in terms of explanations for this is this is someone putting down a marker that they hope will save their own skin. And but the question of like what, what sort of a person is and partly because like the, the kind of senior level, and again, this was person was just described as a senior level Trump administration official, which could mean honestly anything. Like there are right. a lot of people who could be accurately characterized that way. Uh, so you've got anything from the vice president of the United States down to someone who's two or three deep in the, uh, in the, you know, the trade representative's office mm-hmm. or the office of trades of trade representatives, I guess is technically the order uh, there. And a lot of speculation swirling. Uh, John Huntsman, Huntsman's name has come up ambassador to Russia, head of domestic policy council. I think an amba- a senior level ambassador, or someone running a small but nonetheless fairly, uh, fairly uh, uh, prestigious or high up within the within the uh, the administration, small uh, agency that feels about right. I don't buy mm-hmm. a cabinet officer. I don't really, I certainly don't buy Pence at all. Uh, I don't buy that there's like some kind of high drama amongst the like the highest principals. It's clearly mm-hmm. someone who's probably one level down from that. It seems to me that would be my guess.
1: Yeah, I feel like. Um... Well, the other thing is, I feel like, yes, I think it's probably not a cabinet level official, but also it could be a cabinet level official's like chief of staff. For uh, sure. I yeah. also think that Pence is like totally wishful thinking,
0: mm-hmm. which is would, fine. Yeah. Oh, sure. Wishful thinking is always fun. In fact, mo- and I will say this like, speculating about who wrote this thing is a is an act of fan fiction and a total waste of time uh, until we actually have data which is great because that's what basically like this podcast is nothing but fan fiction and a total waste of time absolutely so listen you've come to the right shop for that shit and speaking of fan fiction and a total waste of time we're going to do this thing right we are now going to ask the question that really needs asking which is not who wrote this thing but who do we most want to have written this op ed, mm-hmm. which someone who worked for the Trump administration basically says, the president of the United States is a dangerous fool, and we all follow him around making sure that he doesn't fuck things up too badly. Maggie, who would you most like to have written this?
1: I've gone back and forth a little bit on this, but I do think that my number one choice for who I most want to have written this is Ivanka Trump.
0: Hell yeah. That is, that an, would
1: be the that funniest? is an
0: incredibly strong take. That was also my wife's take. (laughs) Uh, That is is the absolute best thing. If Ivanka Trump turns out to be the person who has written this, like, Dad is a dangerous idiot. I know. Oh, my (laughs) God. That
1: would be... It would make literally no sense, but I'd be a hundred percent here for like the imploding family drama that would happen.
0: That would be great. The fact that he's wandering around like there's a report that he's wandering around the White House with an enemies list, muttering about there being snakes everywhere. If it's his own daughter, like this is great. Like it's raining like hell in D.C. right now. He could step out. He could do King Lear on the front lawn. I that's oh my god I want that more than anything so my that's much better than mine my although I will I do I do carry a torch for my own my own call on this one which is I really wanted this to be Ben Carson
1: Oh really? Can you I imagine? I forgot about him. <laughs> can
0: you imagine having an op-ed in which Ben Carson says this man is a complete imbecile and cannot be trusted to to manage anything? He has yeah. no judgment and no focus. If that's like, if Ben Carson wrote that about me, I think I would die of shame on the spot. Like, I don't think you'd come back from shit like that.
1: Honestly, you couldn't. And like, I legitimately forgot um, that he existed.
0: Yeah. Um, yes, I'm happy to no, remind you that he like, is a I'm happy to remind you that Benton Carson is a cabinet secretary uh, in the government of the United States of America.
1: Which is super awesome.
0: Yeah, it's um, good as hell.
1: The other person or the other thing that I suspected maybe wrote it uh, was Mike Pence's Bunny.
0: Sure. Um always a good call.
1: Like I feel like they could get a great ghostwriter. Um mm-hmm. it's hard to write with, you know, those little paws. Um yeah. but yes, I, I I live for the Shakespearean drama of it being Ivanka Trump. Also, yeah. the sheer embarrassment factor of Ben Carson is, like, super, super high.
0: Right. That, that's, the, that's the part that I really like, but but I think it's... The reason that I like Ivanka Trump, actually, is an answer for this thing, and now I, I, I'm i just going to be carrying a torch for that for the <laughs> rest of my life, or until we figure out who this person was. Actually, no. If someone takes credit for it or is, or is outed, I'm not going to believe it if it's not Ivanka. I am, I am now an Ivanka op-ed truther. <laughs> the thing that I would really like is that someone did a quadrant of as a way of plotting members of the administration and it was what, you know, their motivation versus um, uh, versus what they wanted out of. So like the issue they care most about uh, Mm -hmm. versus what they most wanted to receive. And so, and this quadrant, I wish I could remember who did it was people who were in it for the racism versus people Mm -hmm. who were in it for the money, Mm -hmm. people who are pining for dignity Mm -hmm. versus people who crave attention. Right. And like this thing, I know it was a lot. And so like, so there are some people like, like Stephen Miller who like, is for sure in it for the racism.
1: 100%.
0: And also, but he's he's behind the scenes, he clearly is pining for dignity. Like, he wants to be taken seriously as a kind of racist thought leader, uh, you know, on the order of, like, you know, Steve Bannon, uh, you know, or, like, uh, you know, or, you know, or uh, you know, any sort of any of the other sort of, you know, the great great racist thought leaders of history. (laughs) Uh, You know, Powell was the guy's name I was groping for there. Uh, So, you know, so we get, so there's sort of that, like, this, like, Ivanka seems to occupy... That space between because this is both an attention getting it's a, it's it's a it's an investment on future attention, mm-hmm. and it's also a pine for dignity. Right. And like this, like she has occupied both of those spaces fully. So this is the reason I like her very much, is that this this is both an attention cry and a pine for dignity, and I love it dearly.
1: Yeah, and I think that the point that you were making earlier about the more like Occam's razor solution for like why someone would write an op-ed is to like set the groundwork for their sort of media blitz that then comes later about what a good person they are. It makes the most sense because this is nothing. Everyone has that like, that attention seeking um, nature in, uh, as an administration official. So, um, and obviously this is like a media driven presidency. So it totally makes sense um, that then this person would write a book um, because it's Ivanka. Um,
0: yeah. Hell yeah. I, I look forward <laughs> to this with great anticipation.
1: Yeah. Um, but the other thing I was thinking about um, when I was you know, done with the jokes uh, about the op-ed was um, trying to think through and thinking back to 2016, um, right after the election happened. Um, I had a lot of friends, uh, we both do, uh, who are still in Washington, um, trying to think through the calculus of, do I stay and serve in this administration that goes against my values to protect my work? to protect everything that I fought for uh, and advanced in my time uh, as a bureaucrat um, or an appointee, Um, or do I put my values where my mouth is and walk away and have it be open season on everything that I fought for. Um, And I mean, I I had that conversation a couple times with, you know, with friends over drinks or or dinner and um, it was a true quandary. Like I don't, I don't actually know what I would have done. But with this, and I, and I really did read that as a moral challenge, but I'm honestly going to check myself a little bit because I read it as a moral quandary for people who I agree with, um, for other people who vote like me and think like me, um, but that in a weird way, this op-ed is the quandary for people who stayed in this administration of, um, is it better to stay to at least fend off danger Presumably. I mean, we also have to take their word for it that that's what they're doing, um, or to leave. So you don't have to be a part of making decisions that make your value stomach churn. Um, and I don't envy that choice for anyone, even if it's Ivanka. Um, but it's harder for me to extend that kind of courtesy to someone that I don't already agree with. Uh, so like just putting that out there, just being honest, um, That's more than
0: fair. Yeah.
1: And then the other thing is that is this then something that we should be supporting? Trump is not going, I mean, fingers crossed, knock on wood, is not going to be the last president this country ever has. Um, So is this going to be, is this kind of cultural, this political culture in the administration, is this okay? Is it okay to essentially be supporting and being public about saying that you're basically doing a soft coup on the presidential powers? I don't I don't know. I honestly don't know.
0: Yeah, it's it this is a tough one. Uh, and I will say on the on the on the plight of the people who stuck who stayed behind. Like this one we are actually this if this if this letter had been written by one of those by one of those folks who, you know, maybe someone who had been in there been in there before, although very few senior people are holdovers. Um, right. You know, and that and that's that's true pretty much across administrations. About um, Obama administration was in some respects remarkable for the number of people that that remained from the Bush administration, including the Secretary of Defense. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not all that common. So, but you know, like, there are certainly folks that we know that that are stayed there. And sometimes it's because like they have a policy area that they're protecting that they know if they leave it's going to be taken over. Sometimes they're performing a function that is well, it belongs within the executive branch is effectively non political. I don't want to out this particular friend of mine because I don't know how vengeful and weird this administration gets, but I have a a friend who works for an agency that is largely concerned with the extradition of criminals. That, that's a basic function of law enforcement. Like, it doesn't matter who's in the Oval Office. There's going to be a certain, like, like, law enforcement continues to function. People who committed crimes in America and are now in another country need to be brought back, right? Like, there's no real reason for that person to leave, um, or at least I understand why, why that person has not left this job. If someone like that had written this this op-ed, I would feel an enormous amount of sympathy for them. Fortunately, we are spared that moral quandary. Yeah, because it's Ivanka. Author, yeah, because, 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 again, because it's Ivanka. <laughs> and also because the author of this op-ed spells out actually what they're so into. And what they're so into is deregulation and, and immigration reform. Like, fortunately, they are not a figure of sympathy because they're here for the expansion of predatory capitalism and the jailing of children. So they're, you know, those people that whoever wrote this thing is, in that specific respect, as happy as a pig in shit. It's the rest of this, uh, you know, it's the rest of this, like, unimaginable chaos and circus of horrors that they're, like, they're really having trouble with. On this, but, and, and, you know, this is clearly why they have executed this soft coup. And, you know, there's, there has always been principal management in politics, of course, right?
1: Oh, yeah, absolutely. You know,
0: when you, like... You know that there are times to bring things up to principles. You know that like there, it's, in, there are ways to, to do it in the way that you want to get the con- – like you want to have a productive conversation as possible. This has been around for as long as there were principles. The Normans practiced this. The you know the Mandarins of the Chinese courts practiced this. Like this is as old as politics. Yeah. Um, but this and, – and actually there's a terrific, terrific political comedy called Yes Minister, which later became Yes Prime Minister. Mm. If you all have not watched it, it is essential that you do it. It is about the way the civil service manages elected politicians. Our uh, elected uh, principals—it's absolutely wonderful. Uh, but yeah, this 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 is a soft coup, and I don't I don't much care for it, frankly. Uh, this is not principal management. This is this is this is bogus, and it it is it, it's that in some respects that actually might be the dumbest part of this whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, I've been tr- thinking a lot about, or just generally worried about the the ramifications of future administrations and the political and norms that have changed. Uh, during this administration, so I feel like this is probably also one of those things that it's going to like add to the running list of norms that are being destroyed at all times. Um, a, a moment of that silence get-
0: <laughs> for the broken norms. Yep, that's right.
1: good. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> um, so the last, uh, the last little thing that I am super interested in, especially because I super super want this to be Ivanka, um, mm-hmm. is thinking about um, how and who is going to figure out who this person is. Um, so interestingly, publishing this publishing of this op-ed for the New York times, put them in a really weird spot um, in that very rarely do you publish an op-ed without an author's name attached to it. Um, I think the times has done it previously uh, sharing a refugee story in which sharing their identity would be a threat to their life. Uh, so that makes sense. Um, but it's, everybody wants to know who this is, and if this op-ed was placed in any other paper, the Times would be the Times news section would be investigating who this source actually was. Um, so now, does the news side try to figure out who this person is that they already published themselves? Does that that puts the paper in a super weird ethical gray area? Oh, yeah.
0: Because every other newsroom in the country is trying to figure out who it is.
1: hundred percent. So I would imagine that the newsroom really wants to get to the bottom of who this actually is because this is a weird break in protocol to give an elected official like this or like Ivanka, um, this level of anonymity for something. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I feel like if it was my call, I would definitely tell my newsroom to try to figure out who this source was because opinion and news are completely separate. Um, so they were not involved in this decision at all. Um, but I would say, yes, this is newsworthy. I know it's my own paper, but let's do it. And I'm super glad that I gave myself this promotion to running the New York Times. Good job, me.
0: Yes, no, you're 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 doing just, <laughs> it is no longer the failing New York Times. you're doing a terrific job, Max. Uh, yeah, this just now, I just said this image of reporters chasing. Uh, members of the op-ed board around around the op and the uh, the, uh, the, uh, the uh, op-ed section staffed yep. like who is it? Come clean. We know you know. Just we like, must l- know. Just like lurking it, like under the desk in their office, <laughs> like, like sneaking into their staff meetings and like blending into the background. So who wrote the thing again? We've forgotten, but it's really
1: important. I Dad. see them in like Groucho Marx glasses with like the fake <laughs> yes. little mustache and just being <laughs> like, so that old op-ed, huh?" And they're like, "We know it's you, Bill. Get out!" <laughs>
0: God damn it, Bill. <laughs> no, no i think that's that's these are all just like fall just like falls through the ceiling We're like hello that's just a, good, good, good afternoon i'm sorry to have interrupted you and just like runs out of the, exactly. of the office again yeah oh man that's 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 a screwball comedy i'm looking forward yeah, to is writing.
1: that not how investigative journalism works because that's what?
0: exactly how that's that's the only thing they just hang out hang out in crawl spaces waiting for people to say things
1: yeah, wearing the worst disguise, cutting little eye holes out of the newspaper to watch people. That's, I mean, is that not what they do? I don't know. That's,
0: that's precisely like, it. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. Just like, like putting a cardboard box down. You know, so that they like based, they're on their hands and knees covered mm-hmm. over by a cardboard box and slowly creeping across the floor.
1: It says like op-ed information safe on it so that people will put the documents you know, that have this person's name in it.
0: Yes. Oh, God, foiled again. Listen, Those I just think you and I should
1: try to figure it out. I think, I
0: think it's important that we do using yeah. only this methodology. So if no. you'd like to contribute to our bail fund, uh, mm-hmm. we're going to set up a GoFundMe for that because we're going to be getting arrested a lot.
1: Yeah, we're the, we're now the grown up versions of Mary Kate and Ashley's Detective Service, in which we solve any crime by dinner time.
0: That's right, any crime by dinner time. Yeah, oh, that's so good. Uh, <laughs> see, that's just you can't buy that kind of marketing and branding. <laughs> All right, so uh, let us turn our attention now uh, to a favorite uh, theme of ours, mm-hmm. uh, a, a running theme: the dumbest thing we have seen this week. Every week is a new adventure in the dumbest timeline, of America. What is the dumbest thing you have seen this week, Maggie?
1: Honestly, it was a banner week for dumb shit, so it was hard to pick just one, so I picked a few. Um, So the first thing that really just made me roll my eyes so hard that I was staring at the back of my own head was that New Yorker magazine in less than 24 hours, I think this was on Monday, invited and then disinvited Steve Bannon to speak uh, at their festival.
0: That was really dumb.
1: It was literally the dumbest thing I have ever heard. Like. I mean, God forbid you don't get to see Jack Antonoff at the New Yorker Festival, which, like, he said that he wasn't going, and it's like, okay, no one cares. And we're gonna um, miss
0: Jim Carrey at the New Yorker Festival. What the fuck even was this thing that's... Uh, it's. This has not been the best election cycle for Rolling Stone writer Matt Tabai, but, or uh, yeah, I guess how you <laughs> pronounce it, but he was pretty good on on this whole, like, what the fuck even ever was any of this? Like, he right. was quite strong on that this week. It's a good question. I'm glad he had the courage to ask it in exactly that way.
1: It also, like... You had to know that this was gonna happen. And I don't know if they thought that they were being cool or edgy or whatever. Um, honestly, the bottom line is, why would you give this kind of person a legitimate stage when they already can get all of their stupid ideas out there no matter what? Like, he, like Bannon doesn't need the credibility that the New Yorker would lend him. Um, he doesn't need that kind of a platform because you can go find his bullshit wherever you want. Um, but what did they think was gonna happen?
0: I have a theory. Go. I have a theory. My yeah. theory is this, that David Remnick thought that he was going to invite Steve Bannon, that they were going to have a clash of ideas, and yeah. that he, David Remnick, was going, to show, was going to so badly pants Steve Bannon that all of Steve Bannon's beliefs and ideologies would be exposed for the gibberish that they are, and that he, David Remnick, would be the man who killed white supremacy r.i.p. racism dead this day at the hands of david remnick
1: yes give your thanks at the altar of all the new york new yorker magazines that are stacked up in your kitchen
0: yeah, like that, that's that's that is this is exactly yes if you have a stack of New Yorkers that is so that is so tall you can use it as a table well my friends you'll be glad you do because David Remnick is here to kill racism stone dead by giving it, by by dressing it down in a battle of the wills this oh, is dude. like this is what Aaron fucking Sorkin hath wrought yes like this idea that like we're all gonna solve shit. By having these like high-minded, principled arguments, and then you know, you know, he'll he'll pull out exactly the right Bible quote at exactly the right time and shame Steve Bannon and Steve Bannon will like turn into a pile of dust, and everyone will be like, "Oh, that's the end of racism." Oh, yay. Un- yay. Right? It's just it's so
1: it's so stupid. So, I mean, it's so that embarrassing. Is, that is absolutely uh, right, though. This it, we have Aaron Sorkin to thank for this. It um, all and, the value oh
0: my God. It, it has, all the value. So this this friends is this like I I, I don't I hope that none of the core of discovery are indulging themselves in the idea that it's important to give time. And, you know, it's important to have a clash of ideas between the ideology of Steve Bannon. Here is the thing. If you invite Steve Bannon, you might as well invite the flat earth society because they're, because their beliefs are just as, as coherent. When we're doing physics, like if, for example, if you were having a if you were having a you know a conference of physical sciences, for example, uh, and you wanted to have and you wanted to bring in a discussion of cosmology or astronomy, you wouldn't invite the fucking flat earthers there to have Absolutely a, not. someone who thinks the world is round. We know the world is round, and we know that steve Bannon's that steve bannon 's entire ideological princi- and political principles based solely in, in a kind of, in a kind of dressed up white supremacy have been rejected by history and yet here the fuck we are, and don 't think that inviting them is going to give you a and also if you are the person. You know who runs uh, the, you know, the cosmology department at the university, and you decide you're going to bring a flat-earther on because you're going to argue them out of the flat-earth position, you will fail. Because if they believe the flat-earth when they walk in that room, they're going to leave the room believing flat-earth, and everyone who believed flat-earth to begin with is still going to believe flat-earth. It's the same thing with Bannon and his racist gibberish.
1: Yeah, also, if you are, like, the co-founder of the Flat Earth Society, you're, like, pretty committed to that view, and you're not really, like, casually dabbling. Oh, so, for sure.
0: <laughs> absolutely not. Flat, flat Earthers, come on, taking ship. We're ready for you.
1: Oh, God, I'll be sick that day. Um, the How do the
0: seas work on the Flat Earth?
1: Yes, do tell. Um, there, this is not a time for decorum for hearing challenging ideas that make us feel itchy. It is racist, violent, bullshit, and sometimes people need to be told to sit down and shut up way the fuck over there. And that's what we need to be doing with Steve Bannon. He deserves nothing.
0: Hell yeah, now so we're talking.
1: I am just incensed that he was invited to this stupid fucking festival because like, I think this is like peak, this is literally the dumbest thing I've read this week.
0: Yeah, so, it, that is, it was incredibly fucking stupid.
1: Absolutely. Um, So your turn, my good sir. What is the dumbest thing that you saw this week? I
0: I read it this morning. um, And and it is both a good thing and so unbelievably stupid. So um, there is a report out that the NFL has decided that there is going to be no anthem policy, no anthem policy at all. Uh, No protest about, or no policy on protesting during the national anthem. Uh, This, uh, we've covered this at length on taking ship. This, after months of storm and drawing, handled about as badly as it possibly could have been on the part on the NFL's part until you know there was going to be a policy, there was not going to be a policy, there was going to be a halfway policy. At one point, the owners were trying to get the NFLPA, the Players Association, to agree to a thing where if the NFLPA would say that players should stand, then owners would pay their fines if they didn't. I mean, it was so. Convited. muddled and convoluted and unnecessarily stupid and then the report out this morning we'll see if it turns out to be true but but there's reason to believe it is is actually just kidding this whole thing was just a hoax a prank a monumental waste of everyone's fucking time that got everyone worked up and you know and and really and really we all just showed our ass for no reason then uh, you know we had an ass to show so good job you fucking morons
1: Honestly, this to me sounds like the NFL finally got wise and hired a crisis comms firm because they have been fucking it up so badly for so long. It's like, why? Like you have a ton of money. How are you? How have you not hired a firm to help guide you through this thing that they, you can very easily come out on top here, but they just like almost willfully fucked it up every single time.
0: Does anyone have eyes on Ellie Jacobs? Because he's been suspiciously mm. absent during this at the same time the NFL finally gets something right with respect to crisis communications. Mm? Mm? Mm-hmm. For that also, matter, have you ever seen him and Roger Goodell in the same place at the same time?
1: Also, mm? no. But do you think Ellie would be able to keep quiet if he got a contract like that? Hell no. Hell no. <laughs>
0: oh, no, <laughs> so, absolutely not. We know you. I know exactly. It was fun. Come back, Come back and face us, Jacobs. We know what you've done. <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, that was dumber than shit. All oh. right. Mags, what is you you, you said you the, the band thing was a was a strong entry in this, but li, but you you have at least one more and I would like to hear it because I'm not quite up to my gills and dumb shit.
1: Bonus round. Um so the other dumb thing that I saw, um well, okay, I would counter and say it wasn't so much dumb that it was awesome. Um was the um so Brett Kavanaugh's hearings have started. Um there was a lot of hoopla. Um, lots of protesters, lots of people shouting, people needing to be dragged out. It's probably the most exciting thing that's ever happened on C-SPAN. Um, but my favorite moment, I watched a clip of this, was watching Kamala Harris question Brett Kavanaugh. Um, I absolutely never, ever, ever want to be on the business end of Kamala Harris. Like, please, I like, I really don't want that to happen to me because um, I would just evaporate or turn to stone. Um, but taking her... Uh, prosecutor skills, Um, she started asking uh, Kavanaugh these like weird veiled questions about a particular, if if he's ever had a conversation about the Mueller investigation um, with someone from a particular law firm, which I'm blanking on the name, doesn't matter. Um, And they go back and forth for several minutes, sort of, and it was a little bit of a who's on first situation where he's like, do you know who we're talking about? And she's like, do you think that I know who you are that I think we're talking about. Like that part was a little weird, Um, but he's trying to come up with, you know, he's like, I, I don't recall. I don't recall. And um, she gets real um, sharp at one point and says, uh, you have been specifically recollecting things in this room for eight hours and you can't remember one conversation. It's a simple yes or no question. Did you talk to an individual at this law firm about the Mueller investigation? He said, I think that, if you could give me a name of someone that could help drag my memory, or do you have someone specific in mind? And she said, I think that you have someone specific in mind and you don't want to say it. And to me, it was almost at the same level of like, who wrote the op-ed. I was like, who is Kamala Harris talking about? I must know. Um, but that it was a, it was a very, it was a very good exchange, but I felt like it was kind of emblematic of these, um, hearings in that, um, they're so fucking pointless. They are so pointless. And even if he did have a conference, like she probably just made that up just to make him feel like feel squirmy or like not actually uh, feel secure in what he was saying. Um, But with all this hootenanny about releasing documents and um, who he talked to at the law firm or not, like these all just feel like a real pointless exercise. Um, So while Kamala Harris's exchange was awesome, this entire confirmation process is dumb.
0: It has been—it's been bad. Um, it, on the other hand, it, it may produce—it uh, it has produced the very real possibility that he's perjured himself in the process of it, uh, which actually, from a political perspective, has, might have some legs if, we, if this can be delayed. Uh, and and again, that's that's a long hope. But in the event we get in a situation where some where we have to mount uh, some kind of public campaign to further delay this, great pressure. Uh, actually, the the, it go, the idea that well, you know, the, the process argument. Well, we didn't have time to look at all the documents. Right, you're not going to are not going to get much political traction on that. This guy might have committed a crime during his hearing. He's under like if we if you can get that is a better political talking point. Um, you can actually create political pressure on the base on a campaign that says this man has lied, this man de- lied to lied under oath and committed a crime in the course of his, in the course of his hearing. And now you want to, now he want now you want to make him the next Supreme court justice. Right. It gives us a little bit, it's not much, but it's at least some, it, we've got, it's at least something to, uh, to work with. And Charlie Pierce, uh, you know, friend of the, uh, of the podcast in that he does not know that we exist. Uh, Charlie Pierce had, had a pretty good line in which he said, having watched this thing, he was reminded of, uh, of of uh, Hunter Thompson describing someone as looking like uh, as looking like a farmer with terminal cancer trying to borrow against next year's crop. Oh boy, like Kavanaugh has looked just like, and to you know, by which he means like this, like there, like the landmine was was always out there, which I think in his case is the mishandling of some stolen emails back in two thousand two uh, in Kavanaugh's case.
1: Oh, yeah, I uh, read yeah, about so that. Like, I'm like, and,
0: and he ever, appears to have lied about it. I mean,
1: uh, can we honestly though, like for one fucking second? not live in a world where we're talking about emails
0: no never never oh, this, god. as the as the founders intended the democracy or this democracy will rend itself over uh, over the question of electronic communication just as god intended so if, if assuming so that we may have a, may, may have just something to hang on to there assuming this can be delayed uh, which, I mean, actually it looks like between Harris and Cory Booker and some others, it looks like we might be giving it the old college try. Right. Uh, abandoning decorum, uh, this is turning into a very bad set of hearings for alt-centrists, uh, for whom we're all supposed to like smile and nod and recognize that Brett Kavanaugh is a very bright and very nice man who uh, coaches girls basketball and, uh, and and approve him to sit on the highest court in the land and really rake us over the coals, despite the fact that he has just declined to share his opinion on whether or not uh, the President of the United States can be impeached Uh, for any, or indicted for any of the shit that he may or may not have done. We're just going to give this man a fucking pass on that shit. Um, No, it's been a bad hearing for, it's turning into a bad hearing for alt-centrists and I hope it gets worse.
1: Uh, It will undoubtedly get worse um, as like the sheer avalanche of documents also are getting released to Democrats, which I, I read a stat um, the other day that was like, if with all like, I think like 42,000 or something like that pages were released like the night before the hearing and that if you read a page a minute, it would take you 700 years to get through all the documents that were released. And it's like,
0: well, I better get started.
1: Also boring. I will not be doing that. But I feel, I feel sufficiently vented on, on dumb things. Do you, Frank? Yeah.
0: I think, I, think, I think we've had our fill. I think we've made our point. It's been I feel dumb. better. I, I feel, feel better. better. It's, been dumb, it's been dumb as our point. It's been a dumb one. It's been, it's a, been one. a
1: really dumb one. So thank you to all of you listeners for keeping up uh, with the news, ho- the, the hose of news that's coming out that is, that is purely dumb flavored. Um, please be sure to subscribe and rate us uh, on iTunes or whatever your podcast uh, listening device of choice. Um, and give us a, a friendly follow on Twitter at, at taking ship. And that ship with a P, as in polypockets. Pockets. Um, and with sure. that, Frank, tell us where are we headed this week?
0: Friends, we're going deep this week. We head uh, four uh, four kilometers below the surface of the Pacific Ocean between Mexico and Hawaii. That's a lot of ground to cover. But we're going down there. Why are we going down there? Because, friends, it gives me no joy to share this with you, but it's important that you know. A deep diving robot. Uh, from the National Oceanogra- uh, Ocean- Oceanographic Center, the National Oceanographic Center, in, uh, which is a British organization, found massive footprints four kilometers below the surface of the sea in the Pacific. The footprints measure uh, two and a half meters uh, in, in length and are 13 inches deep. Uh, so deep uh, that anything which could make a footprint that deep should not be living that far below the surface. There's some people out there some so-called scientists who are t- trying to spin a yarn about diving whales. But friends, I don't know what made those footprints. And again, there is no possibility that these were made by anything other than a living creature, apparently. like this has been, The idea that there's something other than a life form that made this has been ruled out. I don't know what made these things. We may never know, although we may find out in truly horrifying fashion at some point. Um, but uh, I, I'm going to go rewatch watch Pacific Rim. But I will say this. If the findings of massive footprints four kilometers below the surface of the ocean and no ready explanation does not make you feel, does not persuade even the most doubtful of the necess- of the need for the war on the sea, then it's time you re-examined your loyalties. And we intend to go down there to show you personally. So friends, we take ship for the bottom of the sea, which I suppose is probably where the ship was always headed anyway. Goodbye.
1: Cheerio. Cheerio.